0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program. Excited that you're here today. Really short intro. Thanks to our friends at Outpost Coffee. Check them out at outpostcoffeeco.com. So on today's show, I share a message about what it looks like to follow God, even if things go good or bad. I hope it encourages you. I remember the day that I first... Okay, so as you know, I work for a company called DSR. And I remember the first day that I got out of training and they they put me on the floor. um, And I got sat with or paired with a team. And on this team that I got paired with, there was a guy named John Mathis. And, and John Mathis uh, was an interesting character. And, and amen, Joe? <laughs> and so I'm sitting at this, and we have the normal, hi, I'm Caleb, hi, I'm John, just the normal, you know, stuff. And then at some point, I lean back in my chair and I said, hey, John. This was just sort of my lead in for things. people at DSR. Hey, where do you go to church at? to which he immediately like went into orbit, completely lost it. He said, oh my gosh, you're one of those blankety, blank, 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 blank people. And all the blanks were curse words. <laughs> and he, he went completely crazy uh, and began cursing and freaking out and just, I can't believe you're one of those people and you're on my team. Oh my goodness, this is absolutely insane. I can't believe that you're here. And... So obviously we live in a culture, we live in a society that is hostile to the things of God, amen? And biblical Christianity is not viewed or looked upon with any sense of respect, it's rather looked on and viewed and mocked, and it's looked on as backwoods and just plain stupid. And sometimes fear can creep into um, the way we run our lives, the way we walk, and Fear can creep into what, we, what God's called us to do. Sometimes God's called us to do specific things. And then fear can creep into our lives where we don't want to say anything. We don't want to say something. And, but I, I want to say this as we begin this study in Daniel chapter 1. Um, never be afraid to do the right thing. We never should be afraid to do what's right. And so as we begin this text, Daniel chapter 1, I want to address something in, in the church world in which we live, because sometimes we can do this, um, we look at stories, there are certain stories that we have in the Bible that we just sort of kind of understand that this is, these are children's stories, these are children's narratives, and so that's for children's Sunday school, and this is not for big church, Right? So we have this narrative in our mind or this thought process in our mind that this story about Daniel is something that should be taught in a children's Sunday school class. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't teach this to our children. Amen? We should teach these stories to our children, amen? That's what the Bible tells us to do in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So we should be teaching these stories to our children, but I also want us to understand that these stories have ramifications and applications for adults as well. Can I get an amen? Okay, so as we begin this, I want to read, and we're going to start in Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to start here and just read through some of the story. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judea. So this guy, this this gentleman is the king of Judea, of Israel, this area, Jehoiakim. That's a fun name. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judea, into his hands. So what just happened? the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, came and besieged the city. He came and took over the city. And as a result of that, Jehoiakim was handed over to the Lord. Lord, What did the Lord just do to Jehoiakim? Just said, you're, you're no longer going to be king here. Nebuchadnezzar is going to take over. <clears throat> so he gave him over into his hands. With some of the vessels of the house of God and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. So what just happened there? There were several things that were taken out of Israel and placed in Babylon. There were several vessels. There were several things that were placed into Babylon's house of God. Notice it's a small g. It's not a big g. It's a small g. Then the king commanded Ashphaz, his king eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. So what just happened there? Not just. Not only did they take things, but they also took people. They took people with them. And who were some of those people? Verse 5, the king assigned them to a daily portion of food that the king ate, and of the wine that he drank, they were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king, and among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azashar. As- 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 wow, that's a fun. those are fun names. Of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Uh, Daniel he called Balthazar. Hannah he called uh, Hanar. He called him Shadashar. Golly. Michelle he called called him Meshaka. Holy cow. These are just, I mean, what happened to Joe, Jim, and Larry? I mean, (laughs) seriously. That would have been awesome. Like I'm going to rename you from this really hard name. To a simple name. I'm going to name you from, a, rather, from Daniel to some Bachelz. Holy cow, that's a huge name. Ridiculous. So, Daniel was taken by force. This was not a, oh, you know, if you want to come, we've got this great job offer for you. No, this was a by force. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, besieged Jerusalem and made himself the master over that area. He became, he took the king, he to, took what he wanted who he wanted, as it pleased him, took him, took all that away, and then left Jehoiakim. Sort of kind of the, my my cliff notes as I was reading here. It says that he, um, Nebuchadnezzar left Jehoiakim as king of Israel, sort of a tribute to reign in that area, and he did so for eight years. So Jehoiakim was in charge, sort of a, a governor of that region for eight years. So this is not some sort of a tropical plan. For Daniel, Daniel was not, uh, hey, you know, this sounds great. I'm going to leave my home that I've always known and I'm going to go somewhere that I have no idea where I'm at. Uh, He was taken by force and lives in captivity. So I'm going to tell you right now there's going to be moments in our lives when there's going to be things that are going to be out of our control that are going to happen. There are going to be things that happen in your life that are going to not be able to, you're not going to be able to control them. But what you can do is what's placed in our laps, you can. Use that as a catapult to do what God's called you to do. God's given you a a realm in which you live. This is where Daniel lived. Daniel was taken from his home, and he lived out his life in Babylon with these leaders. I want you to see what he did, Daniel, in this text as as we begin and look at verse 8. So go to verse 8. Then Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. So remember what they said up here in the earlier verses. They were going to give him, they said, we're going to give you food to drink, drinks that you're going to drink. You're going to have food that you're going to eat that the king has said it's okay. That's what you're going to do. And I'm sure that this food was probably food that had been offered to idols. And it was drink that he didn't think he should be drinking. He he felt a conviction in his heart that he would not do this. So he said, I resolve that I don't want to defile myself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. So what did he do? He walked in and he kicked a door down and said, listen here, boy, I'm not going to eat or drink the food that you give me. Is that what he did? Is that what Daniel did? Well, let's see what the text says. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Did, did, he, did he demand? You can ask, did he demand? What did he do? He asked. He asked the chief eunuch to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Guys, he did not demand his rights. He simply asked. And there's this weird animal that we live in in, in the American Christianized world. That we, we got our rights i got my right to do what I want. And that that that's nowhere in the Bible. Like we, we have this idea that I've got my rights and I've got my guns and I've got my ammo and I've got all my stuff and I have rights to hold on to every last thing. Did Daniel have rights to hold on to every last thing that he had? Because he was taken from his house. And he moved from his house to a strange land. He had every opportunity to flex his muscles and say, I'm not doing what I'm, you told me I'm going to do this, I'm not doing this. I'm going to follow what I want to follow. I know what's right. I got rights. He didn't do that. He asked. He asked. And there's this weird animal that's been birthed in the last several years that we just have this, this war that we think we need to fight for our rights in Christendom. Like, I want you to have that conversation with somebody in Iran or Iraq or Saudi Arabia. Those Christians don't have rights. They're, they're quite often. Pulled out If they find out that they are Christians, they're pulled out of their churches, which aren't buildings like this. They're usually homes, small homes. They're pulled out of their homes and they're beaten, raped, and murdered. And sometimes you have to watch as the pastor watches his children have those things done to them. They're forcibly chained and they watch their children be destroyed because they name the name of Jesus. Who, who has, do they have rights? No, they don't have rights. These are Christians, these are brothers and sisters who are not flexing their rights. They are being led to, as lands to the slaughter, as the scripture says. And there's, there's, these, there's a few internet YouTube, you, uh, YouTube stars that are Christian pastors who go out of their way to like just have battles with police officers, which I just find weird. They'll go out of their way to find where police are doing certain things, and then they'll have arguments through the, through the windshield with police officers, and then the police will end up busting out their window, and then they're like, look, look, look at me, I'm being persecuted. I'm like, no, you're an idiot, you just drove to where you could find a fight. That's not you being persecuted. You're driving to where you can try to find a fight, and that's dumb. That, that doesn't, that doesn't square with the Bible anyway or any place. It doesn't work. Um, he had, and here's the thing, Jesus came, and was Jesus, Jesus had every right to destroy anybody he wanted to, amen? Like, Jesus could have walked in and just kicked in the door and said, no, I'm taking over this whole place. But he came in as a humble person. He did not come in as a self, just, look at me. I'm, I just, I just need you all to know something, I'm God. So, I'm taking over he didn't do now he will (laughs) amen there's coming a day where he will but he didn't do that the first go-around he came in with a humble voice and that humble voice changed the world and and what were the Jews looking for the Jews were looking for that military might to come in and kick doors in and say listen I'm taking over but he didn't Jesus did not come in as a military force or a military leader. He came as a sovereign Savior. And Daniel followed this same kind of mindset. He followed this example. He was humble. He asked for permission. And when he asked in a humble attitude, what happened? God gave him favor. That's what the Scripture says. That he asked this eunuch to not allow him not to defile himself, and God gave him favor in the sight of the eunuchs. And the, Now, he, yeah, he did give him favor, but there was some conversation that went on between the eunuch and Daniel. The chief eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king. Now, is that lord capitalized? No. Why is it not capitalized? Because it's not... Lord, as in like Jesus is Lord. It's his superior. I fear, I fear my Lord, the king. So he's talking about an earthly king. He's now, now listen, I've been given some orders. How many of you guys have ever been given orders and you, and you, when you start to try to defy those orders, you might get a little nervous. You get a little nervous. He's like, wait a minute. Okay. I hear what you're saying, Daniel. I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm listening to you. But listen, I fear my Lord who has assigned your food. He's assigned you your food and your drink. For, so why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of, of your own age so you would endanger my head with the king? He's like, wait a second. So you're telling me you don't want to eat the food that the king says is good? You don't want to eat that food? That's going to put me in a predicament with the king. Um, that, could, that could cause a problem. Because the king's assigned your food and you're saying the food's no good. So that that could be a problem for all of us in the room. And Daniel didn't throw his mind up and throw his fist in the air and be like, oh yeah, let me tell you, he just said what? He had wisdom. Then Daniel, verse 11, then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hanar, Michelle, and Asherah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the other youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to according to what you see. What happened there? Wisdom. God gave Daniel wisdom. He came in with a humble attitude, and he gave him wisdom, and was able to communicate that wisdom to was able to communicate that wisdom to this authority figure and he was granted he was granted the ability to do this verse 14 so he listened to them on this matter i love that he listened to them why because he came in with a humble voice he listened and they tested him for 10 days in verse 15 at the end of that end of that 10 days what do we see that they had a better appearance and were fatter in flesh then all the other ewes that had eaten the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them all vegetables. So he, didn't, he had a conviction. Daniel had a conviction. He said, I do not want to defile myself with the world. Now, we as Christians have that same thing. We don't want to defile ourselves of the world. But here's what we do sometimes. We throw our might around. We're like, oh yeah, let me give you a big old debate. Instead of being prayerful about things and being humble and being respectful, we want to throw our weight around and show, us how, show who has rights and who doesn't have rights and how strong I am because look at me. i got all these things. Daniel was humble and wise in all that he said to the people that had authority over him. He sought God, and God gave him direction. And as a result of that, also God gave him favor. God gave him favor. Now, if you look at, it, and we'll look, we'll continue this um, as we go in here at verse um, seventeen. <clears throat> now, as these used, God gave them learning and skills and literature and wisdom. Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams at the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought into the chief of the eunuchs and brought to them before Nebuchadnezzar. So, There's all kinds, There's he's becoming really good at interpreting dreams and understanding visions and being, he's becoming incredibly smart in these realms. God is giving him favor on a massive scale, giving him favor in all areas, all these different areas. And the king, verse 19, the king spoke to them among all of, all of them. None was found like Daniel, Hanar, Michelle, and Azurah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the other magicians and the, and the and, uh, enchanters that were in the kingdom. So... God's giving them favor even though they're not in the land where they grew up. He gave him favor. Now, when that tends to happen sometimes, what what happens to the people around? As the outsiders, the newbies that get the job or they step in and they get the new, uh, new hire or whatever and they start getting promoted. Things begin to happen. There tends to... This thing happens when God gives favor to some folks. Sometimes what happens is... Other folks get bent out of shape. You ever had a promotion and somebody else got bent out of shape? Nobody? Okay, a couple. All right, a couple come on now. You get a promotion and somebody gets bent out of shape. Now, this can happen sometimes. Go, flip over to Daniel chapter 6. Just a couple pages over. Go on. Go with me. Daniel chapter 6. <clears throat> now, I want us to look at this because as you see this, I mean, don't be afraid ever to do what's right. Never be afraid to do what's Right? And that's what Daniel did. Daniel was never afraid to stand up for what he believed in, but he did it in such a way that he had a humble voice. And what happened? Does humble voices carry further? Are you all awake? Come on now. Goodness gracious. Humble voices do carry further. And so I want us to read and look at this. Now, it, had, it pleased Darius. Now, Darius, if you don't know Darius, is the king of this area, to set over his kingdom, 120 satraps. Now you're like, what in the world is a satrap? A satrap is like a governor or a regional uh, manager. Uh, so he's set up 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over the three and over them, they had three presidents. So there's this 120 regional governors, and over those 120 regional governors, he sets up these presidents. There's three of them whom Daniel, Daniel was one of them. So Daniel's one of these three bigwigs in the kingdom. So there's three main leaders that are over these other regional governors and Daniel is one of them. He's getting, he was, he was forcibly pulled out as a slave and now he's beginning to prosper where he's at. Amen. He's beginning to prosper in the places where he's at. Now, Over over, there was these three presidents. Let me continue verse two. Over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was one of them, and the satraps was, um, and he was given account, so that the king might not lose or suffer loss. Then Daniel became distinguished above all other presidents and satraps because of an excellent spirit that was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Holy cow! So he went from slave. All the way now, he's being set over the entire kingdom. Why? Why? Because there was this excellent spirit that was found in him. Then, then look what happens. Then the, the trap begins to be set. The presidents and the satraps sought to find ground of complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could not find, they could find no ground for complaint against any or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall find, we, the only way we're going to find ground for complaint against him is that we use what? the law of his God. We know that he's devoted to God. We know that he loves Jesus more than anything else. So we're going to use this to get him where we want him. We're going to use this to get what we want. Verse 6, Then the presidents and the satraps came by agreement, and the king said to them, O King Darius, live forever. I love this. Look at this. This is... This whole thing makes me wonder how smart Darius really was. Because <laughs> when you read this, they're like, I could just see him walt- waltzing into the kingdom, or into the king's throne room. King Darius, live forever. All the presidents in the kingdom, uh, of the kingdom the prefectors the satraps the counselors and the governors all agreed so there's all these people dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people that have all come together and they said listen here's what we're going to do we're going to conspire against this daniel because daniel is prospering and we're not and i can't have that so i'm going to step in here we're going to try to make him we're going to we're going to destroy him and we're going to use god's law to destroy him how crazy is that so they continue here And, and they say, uh, we shall establish an ordinance to enforce an injunction that whosoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, should be cast in the lion's den. Now, this is the point where I'm thinking as a leader, as, as the king, I'm going to be like, why just 30 days? Why can't we go longer than 30 days? I mean, if this is so important, it's so important. Why is 30 days just the, the thing that we need to have? Why is it, what's this testing period? I, I would have asked questions, but Darius didn't because Darius is a little conceited, maybe. Oh, wow, look at all these guys. They want to they make me sort of like the god of this region. I like this. That speaks into a lot of our lives because a lot of us love to get puffed up. And when somebody speaks into us like that, we're like, Whoa, you think I'm awesome? Great. Like, that's really great. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. I want to be. Yes, 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 let's do this. So, verse 8 Now the king established the injunction and signed the document so that it could not be changed according to the laws and the Medes of the Persians. Now, I want to just speak into that from when I was a kid, my dad would say, would do something. Like he would make, you know, a command to David and I. And he'd say, This is like the laws and the Medes of the Persians. It's not changing. So. <laughs> Like we, something would happen and dad, dad would say, okay, this is what I want you to do. You're going to clean this area of, dig those holes. Dad, we don't want to. I've made my command. It's like the laws of the Medes and the Persians. Dig it. Uh. Okay. So this, if you keep reading, it says it cannot be changed. Therefore, the king Darius, he signed the document in the injunction. Now, the law had been changed. He had the right to, to worship God, didn't he? Daniel had the right to still worship his God because he was doing that. But there's now been placed a man-made law in front of him that he can no longer worship God. So what does he do in verse 10? Does he go jump on board and try to sign a bunch of petitions to try to, oh, we're going we're to fight this. I've got to find my representative. I've got to fight this. i got to go to my legislator and fight this. Is that what he did? No, he said, when Daniel knew this document had been signed, he went to his house, where the windows in the upper room and the chamber were open towards Jerusalem. and got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God before his give thanks before his God, as he had done previously. So he didn't change anything that he had done before. He didn't say, "Well, may, the law no The law, law says I can't pre or can't uh, pray anymore. So guess what? I'm not going to do that because." Man made a law, and I'm not going to follow the laws of God any longer. I'm going to do what, what man has told me to do. No, that's not at all what happened. It, they continued. He continued doing the exact same thing that he had always done. It always done. Daniel did what was right, even though the law of man said that he should not do it. Now God's commands will. I'm going to tell you this, God's commands will always be higher than man's commands. Amen. So. For instance, if the TV came on this afternoon and our government leaders stood up and said, listen, we've passed the law and uh, it's illegal to follow and worship Jesus, which that happens in some countries in this world. It is explicitly illegal to Say the name, worship the name of Jesus. It just is. It will get you killed. And don't think that we can't happen here. There is coming a time when it will happen here. It will happen here. Oh, we're America. It's going to happen here. It's just a matter of time. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And I'm going to tell you, Even though if the government came out tomorrow and said from this day forward, worshiping Jesus is illegal, you must follow the government's rules, I'm going to tell you I'm not following the laws of man. I'm going to follow the laws and the the mandates of God. Amen? I'm going to still continue to worship. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. I'm going to still continue to do what I believe should be done. But there are consequences. Amen? There's consequences when we disobey man's laws and follow God's laws. So, what happens? They find out that Daniel follows God still. They still pray. So they run to Darius. And they run to Darius and they they say this, O king, verse 12, then they came near and said before the king concerning this injunction, O oh, king, did you not sign this injunction that anyone who makes petition against any god or man to within 30 days, except you, O oh, king, should be cast in the lions then? Uh-oh, the trap has been sprung. Now, if you, if you understand, Darius and Daniel had a pretty tight relationship. Daniel was getting set up as, as ruler of the whole place. So when they heard this, Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of your uh, exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or your injunctions that you have signed, but makes petition three times a day to his God. Then the king heard these words and with much distress and set his mind to deliver Daniel. So he's like, oh my goodness, I see what you all have done. Oh, He's been duped. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said Know, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and the Persians, and no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. I bet he fixes this after this little incident, doesn't he? Like wait a minute, if I set a rule up, I should be able to change the rule because I'm king, right? Well this this changes the whole mindset. Then the king commanded that Daniel be brought and cast into the lion's den. And look at this. Now Darius was not a believer to, to, from what I can gather from the Scriptures. What does he say here? Then the king commanded that Daniel be brought to them, cast in the lion's den. And he says to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with a signet of, the, of his lord's that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. So that's, that's so nobody messes with Daniel in the middle of the night. Then the king went to his place and spent the night fasting with no diversions were brought before him and slept fled from him so he is broken hearted over this because he loved daniel he loved that daniel was an asset to him he loved that daniel was a part of his kingdom so he lost sleep over this that he made a decision that was ungodly that he made a decision that was followed after the whims of men he lost sleep over this he was very concerned and so he fasted didn't eat didn't have any diversions nothing other than the thought of daniel was in his, the forefront of his mind. Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked when evil men and women come against you when you follow Jesus well. Don't don't be shocked that that's going to happen because it will and can happen. Night Nine, verse nineteen. Then at daybreak the king arose and went with haste to the den of the lions and he came near to the den where he where Daniel was and he cried out in a tone of anguish. So I can just feel this. This king is saying Daniel. Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God. Now he's moved from, what does he moved from? He's moved from the God that you serve to, wait, Daniel, servant of the living God. So it's not just the Daniel, the God you serve, but it's God, the living. So his mindset's changed a little bit here, hadn't it? It's moved from the God you serve to, wait, he's the living God for all of us here. All right. Has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the mouths of the lions? Then Daniel said to his king, oh, king, live forever. My God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions and they did no harm to me because I was found blameless before him. Yes! Now, here's what I'm going to say about this. This whole idea of being afraid to do what's right, being afraid to stand up for Jesus where you are, don't be afraid because God will be with you. God will be with you. Just place your trust and your hope in Jesus and let Jesus handle what may come. Now, here's what I'm not going to do for you today, because this is super easy. I could, I could this morning say, you know, if you follow God, if you follow God, all your lion's dens are going to be handled. Now, this was an example of God delivering Daniel from adversity and suffering. Now, was Daniel fearful maybe in the beginning? Maybe, but when the I'm sure when the angel showed up, <laughs> could you imagine being in the lion's den and the angel was just like, hey, I'm here. Don't, don't worry. I'm going to shut these mouths of these lions. It's still going to be okay. So, I mean, there's, there's churches in Bartlesville, Oklahoma that have that message. That, listen, if you get Jesus, your lion's dens are handled. It's going to be awesome. You and I might put foreign armies to flight. There may be days where we're going to put foreign armies to flight, and we will shut the mouths of lions. But there may be some days where we're going to get sawn in two. And what I'm trying to make us understand here is that these pictures that were being painted in the Scriptures of our men and women that have followed and loved Jesus with everything they've had. And some succeeded very well and others died. And the point that I'm trying to make here is that Jesus, and when you get Jesus and follow and worship Jesus, He is more than enough. And Jesus is not to be just an end. He's not not meant to be an end to a means, or a means to an end. But rather, He is an end-all, be-all.